0: week number six in our summer series on prayer. Uh, First week we asked the question, what if prayer at core is not about asking God for stuff? What if instead the purpose of prayer is to actually increase our relationship with the Lord? What if the reason that the Lord uh, invented such a thing as prayer is because he wanted us to draw close and get to know him an even deeper and stronger and more intimate way. Second Sunday, we asked, what if the things we ask God to do for us as we pray, Lord, would you please heal my ailing grandfather? Lord, uh, could you please give me that promotion at work? Uh, My child is a prodigal. Please bring them back to you, Lord. I've got this pet entangling sin that's destroying my life. Help me to kill it and bring victory and freedom, Lord. What if God's powerful and effective answers to our prayers turn out to be way different than what we were expecting? What if we didn't even have the way the Lord answered on our radar and he answers in such a different and distinct way? Third week, we asked the third question. What if the reason we don't see more answers to our prayers Is because we give up praying way too easily. We grow impatient. We get distracted. We assume the answer must be no, when actually the Lord is saying, no, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on, what's the last one? Knocking, yeah, because as you keep on asking, the relationship grows and deepens and gets stronger. So be persistent, don't quit. The fourth Sunday we asked, what if the reason the Lord doesn't seem to be answering our prayers is because the Lord will not respond to proud and arrogant and I'll handle life myself, that sort of mindset. We looked at the fact that God says, I oppose the proud, but I give grace to the who? To the humble. Maybe the reason we're not seeing more powerful and effective answers to our prayer is we 're not willing to humbly ask and crowd a need Fifth week that 's last week. We acknowledge that usually the two things that most of us pray about are pain avoidance. Lord, that hurts, please make it go away what 's the second thing we often pray about? Lord, please change my circumstances <laughs> i don 't like this, uh, please change my circumstances. We asked last week, what if the issues we usually are praying about are actually small and short-term and not lasting or eternal matters? At core, we looked at Paul, he was always praying that the followers of Jesus would know Jesus Christ better. We looked at Paul in Ephesians, We looked at him as he wrote to the Philippian church, to the church at Colossae. Listen close. At core, Paul was always praying, I want you to know Jesus better. That's at the heart of all of Paul's prayers. You never see Paul saying, Lord, please change my circumstances. Even though his circumstances were way worse than most of ours. You never hear Paul Paul say, take away the pain, Lord even though his pain, I think we can say safely, was greater than any of our pain. Instead, Paul was always about, Lord, help them to know Jesus better. Lord, help me to proclaim about Jesus stronger, more boldly. He was always praying about lasting, eternal, make-a-difference issues. Today is week number six. We're going to look at a portion of the longest prayer... Jesus that's recorded in God's Word. So if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, uh, locate John chapter 17. Let me give you a little bit of the background. This is the day before Jesus went to the cross. So when he's praying, by this time the next day, he's already going to be in the tomb dead on Friday. So he's just left the upper room. They're walking to the garden and uh, In that garden, Jesus is going to pray and have to keep waking up the disciples. And it's in that garden that Jesus will be betrayed by Judas with a kiss. So that's the setting. They're on their way to the garden. And Jesus uh, prays this prayer, seems to be out loud. So all of the 11 disciples, Judas has already left to betray Jesus. So the 11 hear this and John records it for us. Before we dig into John chapter 17, I want to ask another question. Could the reason that prayer is not a priority for most followers of Jesus, could the reason that most of us aren't very passionate about praying, if we're honest, is because we're busy getting attacked and deceived and at times devoured by the evil one? we're so busy uh, trying to survive this thing called life, who has time to, to pray much? I'm just surviving. Could the reason we're not praying more powerfully and effectively is because we've never taken the time and made the effort to learn how to obediently live strong daily for Jesus, which includes how to pray? Could the reason we're not praying more and more passionate about praying because we have never finished learning how to obey and live for Jesus. We're in John chapter 17. We're going to learn about prayer from Jesus himself. Would you stand with me if you're able? We're going to read verses 13 to 19. Verses 13 to 19 of John chapter 17. Would you uh, declare God's word with me? out loud here we go I'm coming to you now but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world my prayer is not that you would take them out of the world but that you would protect them from the evil one they are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Let's pray. Lord, I want to pray for my friends here. At my favorite church in the entire world. Lord, uh, your church that meets in Walloon Lake and East Jordan, thank you. Thank you that I get to be a part of them. I'm asking, Lord, that today your word would be quick and powerful and sharp and alive. And Lord, would you help us to receive your word today with hunger and thirst and excitement and attention. Just finished up a busy week, Lord. Lots of things going on. Lord, I I know that many of us have lots of things going on in the week ahead. But would you help us now for these next several minutes to pause and focus on what your book has to say? Lord, literally, we have the privilege today of studying and digging into your son as he prays. For us. Help us to understand what he's praying about. Help us to get it. Help us to learn from it. And most of all, Lord, I'm praying that we'll be nudged and prompted and and even convicted to put it into practice. Lord, uh, we welcome your spirit now. We recognize it's not by might, it's not by power, it's never by fancy or clever words that lives change. (laughs) It's only by the power of your Spirit. So Lord, we invite your Spirit to come now. And uh, may the ministry and the power of your Spirit and the ministry and the power of your Word come together today. We welcome you in your church right now. Speak, Lord. Your church, we're listening. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, you can be seated. John 17, verse 14. Jesus prays to the Father. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. World here refers to this fallen, sinful world system. Did you catch that? The word world here is not talking about the physical planet. It's talking about this fallen, sinful world system that Satan and his demons control and they actually exploit. Jesus says here, and he's talking specifically about the 11 remaining disciples, Satan and his demons and his fallen world system hate followers of Jesus. Why? Why? Because, look at verse 14, they know, they proclaim, they live out God's word. So, So Satan and his demons hate us because of God's word, the Bible that we know, that we believe, that we live, that we speak, that we proclaim. Make sense? So the reason Satan and his demons hate us so much is because of God's Word. And the more you know God's Word, the more you proclaim God's Word, the more you live obediently to God's Word, the more they will hate you. So this is a warning. If you know Jesus as Savior and Lord, and if you know God's word, and if you choose to live out and obey and proclaim God's word, you can plan on, you can expect, don't be surprised when the world hates you. Make sense? Don't be surprised. Well, how come the people around me, they don't like me? Because it's God's word in you. It's the light that you're shining on them the truth that they don't want to hear, God's truth, the Bible runs exactly opposite of the popular way of thinking in this world. You need to know that. Plan on it, expect it cuz sometimes it's like they they really don't like me. It's not really you personally, it's God's word in you that you stand on, that you believe, that you speak, that you proclaim. That's what they hate. Let me give you two uh, examples. If you're not ready to be a mother or a father, the popular way of thinking in this world today is what? You don't need to be a mother. You don't need to be a father. Get rid of it. It's it's a fetus. It's not a baby. It's a choice. You ever heard that? <laughs> of course you have. And tens of millions of people have believed that lie that runs exactly opposite of God's Word. (laughs) The Lord knit us together in our mother's womb. We're fearfully and wonderfully made by the Lord our God. That's what God's Word says. And when we say that back to the popular thinking, guess what? They're not happy. (laughs) They don't want to hear that. They hate us for living out and believing and obeying God's Word. Here's a second example. If you're thinking about getting married, um, go ahead and live with your girlfriend, live with your boyfriend first. Because you would never buy a car without taking it for a test drive, would you? Just makes sense. So test drive the relationship and live together as husband and wife and, and it'll be okay and then you'll decide whether or not it's a right fit. Did you know, give me, give me your eyes right here, this is surprising, it just happened about two years ago, the number of folks who live together before they marry is a majority now. It's, it's up over 50%. It's approaching 60% at this time. So 60% of the people who are going to get married live together first in direct opposition to what God's word says. Are you tracking with me? And I'm just telling you that 60% includes a lot of our young people, and sometimes not just our young people, our old people, who claim to know and love Jesus. Okay, I'll get off your toes now, but you understand what I'm saying? When, when, when we say, oh yeah, I, I love Jesus, uh, it, it will have an effect The world around us will not be happy that we love and live and obey and proclaim Jesus. Jesus continues praying. John 17, verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Let that soak in. My prayer, Jesus says, don't don't take them out of the world but protect them from the wolf and the wolves. Jesus prays for his father, for his followers. Father, I'm not praying that you transport them all to heaven right now for protection. That, that would be protection, right? I'm not praying that. Instead, Jesus prays, look at it, verse 15, that we might be able to withstand the attacks of Satan and his demons and their fiery darts and all the evil garbage that this sinful world shouts, hey, you're missing out on a good time. Hey, you, you really, really should come and get involved in this. Uh, protect them from all that Satan and his demons and their temptations and the fiery darts that this sinful world shouts that we aren't enjoying like they are. Um, This is a great thing for you and I to be praying about for loved ones. Track with me here. You got a loved one who's not living strong for Jesus, and they should know better? Here's a good thing to pray about. Lord, don't let them give up and give in to the challenge and the temptations they're facing. Lord, help them to learn to abide, John chapter 15, and walk closely and stay in connection with you. Lord, help this loved one to learn how to put their armor on, Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18. Lord, help them to realize how important it is to live with your armor, the armor of Jesus on, and keep it on, and walk around daily so that we have the strength to endure and even prosper under the pressure and the attacks of Satan and this fallen world. The evil one Satan and his fallen demonic world Are seeking to devour and destroy us. I think I'll say that again. Satan and his demonic fallen army, Lucifer, um, seeking to devour you, devour me, in what ways? Uh, Oh, he wants to devour and destroy us financially, he wants to devour and destroy us maritally. He wants to devour and destroy us spiritually in every way, a million ways. He's seeking to devour and deceive and destroy us in every way possible. Uh, He's invented a million ways. And let me tell you, a chief way he does that is to get us to the point of despair and nobody cares about me, no no one uh, could care less whether I live or whether I die, and pretty soon people find themselves in this despairing situation and suddenly they start thinking, you know what, I'd be better off if I was just dead. And, and the people around me would be better off if I was just dead. So uh, why don't I just go ahead and just kill myself? I'll be better off if I just ended my life. I love this. Go back. Jesus is praying, uh, Father, don't let my children be deceived by the lies and the deception of Satan. He hates all of us. Did you know he wants all of us dead? He'd like all of us to be deceived. Nobody, well, even if that's true, if nobody cares, are you ready? Jesus cares. Jesus cares. Jesus loves you. Jesus has a plan for you. It's never God's plan for us to end our lives. That's never God's plan. I just say that real strong because there's like an epidemic in northern Michigan where people get in despair and they believe those lies. And unfortunately, it's not always those outside the church. I've done multiple funerals where a follower of Jesus said, I think I'd be better off dead. And they believed that lie. They were deceived, and they bought in. And I wasn't planning on saying this, but just listen. There's only one unpardonable sin. Guess what it is? To reject Jesus as Savior and Lord. That's it. And these people believe the lies, and I'm just telling you, every time they believe that deceptive lie, what a devastating wake they leave behind. The family, the friends, who are devastated. And that's never God's solution never so what's the answer for you and I if we want to be protected from the evil one how specifically can we avoid being deceived so he says i don't i don't want you to be deceived by the evil one how do how do i how are we protected from being devoured and destroyed and deceived by satan and his demons and his fallen world system Verse 16, we get the answer. Jesus says, They are not of the world. Talking about his followers, his disciples. Even as I'm not of it. They're not of the world, neither am I of the world. Verse 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Verse 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Well, what is truth? He tells us. Your word, your book, your inspired manual for life, that's truth. The reason that this fallen world and evil, the evil one's army hates us is because we know the truth. Genesis to Revelation. And the more you stand on, the more you believe, the more you live out obediently the truth, The more you and I are hated by Satan, the evil one, and his demons. Verse 17, he uses a fancy word here, sanctify. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Your book, God's word, the Bible, is truth. Now, what's it mean to sanctify? Give me your eyes. It means to set something apart for a special purpose purpose for God. He's saying, I want my children to be set apart for my purposes. When we're sanctified, we're living our lives set apart for Jesus and his truth. Set apart from the dangers and the deceit of the evil one by knowing and living God's word. Take up the sword of the spirit Ephesians 6.17, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the book. The sword of the Spirit is God's Word. And how is it that we're protected from the evil one? It's by taking up and grabbing hold of God's Word and knowing which section, which sword from the armory that we should pull out at the right time. It's knowledge of and having the ability to actually pull out the right sword at the right time. When I was in high school, junior year of high school, um, anybody remember Bruce Lee? Pretty popular. I wanted to be the next Bruce Lee. (laughs) Jeff Lee. Not John Lee, Jeff Lee. Okay? So... Uh, I, wanting to be Cato, took karate lessons for a year. I rose to the very high and fancy level of the orange belt. And boy, did I know my moves. Just as long as my opponent went slow and cooperated with all of my moves, then I could do... Because it was always like slow motion. That's how you got your belt. And as long as they went real slow and cooperated... Uh, Everything went well. Anyway, senior year, got busy, gave up my kung fu dreams. Uh, First time I actually faced a conflict with someone who wanted to punch me in the face. Wasn't living for Jesus at the time. Uh, I decided to break out my orange belt moves. You, buddy, have picked the wrong fight with the wrong man. Watch out. I quickly recognized I knew just enough karate to be dangerous to myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? I knew just enough <laughs> that, that this is a danger not to the guy who's trying to hit me. And, and I knew that suddenly because my nose is bleeding and my eye uh, the next day was very black and blue. So I, I knew just enough karate to be dangerous. Many of us here this morning... When it comes to knowledge and understanding of God's Word, the Bible, we, we've got maybe our orange belt. Track with me. Or, or maybe you just have your white belt. That's the first belt you get. And, and then depending on your system, you move up and you might get your yellow or gold or orange, then green, blue, purple, red belt. And you're walking around and you, and you know some about God's Word. Here's the problem. Until you reach brown or black belt, you only know enough about God's word to be dangerous to yourself or dangerous to those around you. I'm just telling you, until you continue on and you actually complete the process, you're dangerous. You're overconfident. You think, well, I'm going to be fine. No, you're not. You know enough But you don't know enough to be able to protect yourself from the attack of the enemy. And he's beating you up. And you're getting creamed. But you're thinking, but but I know God's word. Yeah, you know it in a yellow belt sort of a way. Yeah, you know it like an orange belt would. And you're wondering, why is my nose bleeding? Why is my eye black and blue all the time? You know, just enough of God's word to be dangerous. Turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Last chapter. Find verse 18. This is really well-known section. This is called the Great Commission. Uh, some of the best... Words and all of uh, God's word, final commands of the commander. Verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority does Jesus have? All. Like everything in the universe, all the authority in the cosmos, Jesus said, has been given to me. It's kind of like, you better listen. He's about to say something. Pretty, pretty amazing and, and here he goes verse 19 this is like one of those red letter underline worthy verses therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit go the idea is as you're living out your life as you're going and living life make disciples and that's what we're all about as a church if you, if you want, What's our mission? To make disciples. That, that's it. We are here as a church family to make disciples. And we get that right here. Go, and as you're living life, make disciples everywhere you go. Um, and once you are a disciple, what's the first thing a disciple is supposed to do? What's it say? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. By the way, that's an imperative, not a suggestion. If it works out, if it's convenient. If you decide that maybe I might want to do that. No, it's a command. By the one who has all authority in heaven and earth, tracking. So first thing a disciple, an obedient disciple, should do is get baptized. And it just so happens next Sunday, you'll have another opportunity after second service. So see me, see Jody. So uh, go... Make disciples, baptize them. Uh, And verse 20 is the verse that usually gets left in the dust. Okay? This one we don't really pay that much attention to. It says, uh, go, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey how much? Teach them to obey how much? Uh, Teach them to obey balcony how much? Everything that I've commanded you. Huh. Wow, didn't see that verse before. So once you say yes to Jesus and get baptized, you're not done. You need to get taught to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. And and, and where would we locate everything that Jesus has commanded? <laughs> yeah, hold it up. If you, got, if you got everything that Jesus, you can hold your phone up. Yeah, 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 that, that counts. Everything that Jesus has commanded is right here. So once you uh, are a follower of Jesus, you've said yes to the cross and the empty tomb. Once you've gone public and you've been baptized and said, I love Jesus and I want everybody to know it, uh, you're not done yet. You need to get taught to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us. Uh, And until we learn how to obey God's truth, until we learn how to obey God's word, the evil one is going to use us like a punching bag. You tracking? Until we put verse 20 into practice, we can expect to be human pinatas. You know what a pinata is? You take the stick and you beat on it till the candy falls. Well, unfortunately, there's no candy falling from us just blood and sweat and tears as Satan beats us like a human piñata. Could the reason we don't pray as much as we should, could the reason that we're not more passionate about our praying life is because most of us haven't taken the time to finish our school in obedience to Jesus? Could the reason that prayer is mostly missing and powerful, effective prayer is largely non-existent in most of our lives is because we stopped in the elementary school in learning to obey God's word? Or maybe some of you, we've stopped in junior high of church or we we stopped in high school and I became a, a high school dropout when it comes to obeying God's word. I understand that when fancy restaurants when they want to serve fresh fish and they live far from the oceans they've discovered that they can put fish in crates or tanks and the fish if they're watched over properly can live for weeks in a crate or in a tank the problem is after sitting in a tank for a few weeks, the fish grow soft. And when you serve those fish, the texture of the meat is mushy and not pleasant. And people are saying, I paid big money for this. No, thank you. So they discovered that if they put in the crate or in the tank an enemy fish, usually a catfish, the enemy fish would chase and badger the eating fish and keep them active and keep them alert and keep them moving. And finally, with the enemy fish in the tank or the crate, they finally had firm, fresh taste of fish far from the oceans that they were after. Jesus is praying for us in John chapter 17 that we wouldn't be the frozen chosen. Because that's one extreme. Okay, we are going to live in a holy huddle. I will isolate myself from the world and we live in our little freezers until we die. Are you ready? That was never God's plan. Never God's plan for us to live in holy, isolated huddles. But there's another extreme that he's praying about here. He's praying that we wouldn't get so caught up in this fallen, sinful world that belongs to Satan that we speak and think and behave just as those who don't know Jesus. You tracking? We're so in the world, we become a part of the world. We behave, we live, we speak, we think, just like those who are headed for judgment. And our lives become mushy and lukewarm and ineffective. Listen John chapter 17 Jesus is praying something instead I'm praying that we'll be in this world but not of this world that our our light will shine so bright that unchurched Harry and Mary will see in us the reality of Jesus Track with me that that our our salt that we splash on them will, would be effective and, and would be tasty, and people would see Jesus in us as we live our lives and walk in the path the Lord puts us on. How can we be in the world but not of the world? How can we keep from being destroyed and devoured by that catfish in our tank named Satan? You tracking with me? The Lord intentionally put a catfish in our tank Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's true. So how do we survive? I got a catfish. He's chasing me. He's badgering me. He's punching me in the nose. He's destroying me. Are you ready? John chapter 17, this is the only way. We must know and obey the Bible. We must get God's word on the hard drive of our minds and our hearts And our will. And it's not just enough to know it. We have to know it so we can live it and obey it. Make sense? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The Bible is God's only tool to set us free from the attacks of the evil one. Give me your eyes. There's no plan A or B or C. There are no other options. This is it. Follower of Jesus, this is it. There are no other plans. This is, he says, I've given you all you need to know, and I've placed it in my book. We must be taught to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us by his word. So here's my question. Have you been fully taught? I'm not saying you know every answer to Bible trivia. okay? That's not what I'm saying. But have you been fully taught and you know how to obey and live obediently to the commands and the directives of God's word? Have you you finished enough of God's word that you can live and be protected from the deceit and the attacks of the evil one? That's the question. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. How do we stay pure? you got to live according to God's word. How do you live according to God's word if you don't know God's word? Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not—anybody know?—against you. (laughs) So until I know enough of God's Word that I've got it hidden in my heart and I know how to live it and bring it out at the right time, I'm not going to have victory over sin. This world system will destroy and devour us. Our protection from the attacks of the evil one, from the temptations of this sinful fallen world, It's to be sanctified. How do I get sanctified? I get set apart by knowing and understanding and able to put into practice God's book, the Bible. Question. Could a big part of the reason why we don't pray more often, why we're not all that enthusiastic or passionate about prayer, is because lots of us, we never finished Matthew 28:20. 20. I, I never fully got taught how to obey God's word. And I'm getting creamed by the evil one. I'm getting attacked and devoured by Satan because I've never taken the time, I've never made the effort to actually fully understand and be able to live out God's word, the Bible. but the reason prayer isn't more of a priority is because I don't know how to be in this world and not of this world. Could it be that most of us are just trying to survive? I'm just trying to survive. Who's got time to get excited or passionate about prayer? Let's pray. you take just a few moments right now and quietly say Lord uh, how does John 17 and Matthew 28 20 how does that apply to me speak to me personally individually right now I'm listening Here's the key question. Have you, for you, taken the time, made the effort to be taught to obey everything that Jesus has commanded in his word? Well, Pastor Jeff, I'm here most Sundays, and I grew up in Sunday school. I just want you to know that that's not going to happen on Sunday mornings alone. Not going to happen in Sunday school alone not even decades of Sunday school and Sunday mornings. There is instant freedom when we say yes to Jesus. Is that not marvelous? Instant freedom, but there's no such thing as instant maturity. It takes years. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes dedication. For God's word to sanctify us and protect us from the evil one and his temptations and his deception and his attacks. Have you finished learning to obey? Or did you quit in elementary school? Well, I got the basics. I got the the Sunday school stuff when I was a child. I got that down. That's not enough. Did you quit when you were in junior high in your understanding of God's word? Did you you become a high school dropout when it comes to obeying the Bible? Plan A, B, C, D for you to live victoriously for you to be able to withstand the attacks of the evil one is to learn to obey the word of Jesus. Is the Lord speaking to you right now? Is the Lord saying to some of you, you know what, I need to finish learning. I stopped at the yellow belt or I stopped at the orange belt or you pick your belt but I didn't I didn't finish I didn't go on and get my black belt like Matthew 28:20 20 commands I need to keep going not learned how to obey everything that Jesus has commanded in his book and you're making that even clear right now Anybody just humbly lift up your hand and say, Lord, you're talking to me right now. I need, I need to keep on. I need to go further. Who else? Yeah. Yep. Anybody in the balcony? <laughs> I quit somewhere along the line, Lord. Not sure why. I had more things going on. Lots of, lots of things to get my attention. I need to keep on going. I need to finish. Yeah. Anybody else? Lord, talking to you? It's good to respond. Let him know. Hey, I've heard you, Lord. I'm listening. Yes. Yep. The reason for church is so that the family can come together and help everybody get to the point where you can say, you know what? I've, I can say yes to Matthew twenty I've learned how to obey Jesus, everything you've put in your book. Don't have it down perfectly, but I finished. You need to know, the church here at Walloon, we have lots of options to take you to the next level, to, to help you go from maybe elementary to junior high, from junior high to high school, to, to go ahead finishing it out. And here's the truth. We're willing to help you in your journey. We just don't know exactly who you are and where you're at unless you tell us, unless you invite us in. So right now, I've asked some of our church leaders, if you would, make your way down front, okay? Go ahead, do that right now. And they've got some paper and they're going to take your name and your phone number and your email address. And I'm telling you what, if you're willing to humble yourself, they're willing to take your name down and we'll do our part to come alongside you and help you move to the next level in your obedience. And I know, that's asking a lot. But it's really healthy to humble yourself. (laughs) Talked about that a few weeks ago willing to admit need, and willing to invite the church and the church family and the church leaders here right now. And maybe you'll say, would you, would you just pray for me that I don't quit or give up? Maybe some of you, you say, you know, I've started down that road before and just got too busy and too distracted or too overwhelmed. Would you pray that that doesn't happen this time? I want to I finish. I want to finish. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand and sing. And if you'll humble yourself and admit you need to move to the next level, and you're willing to come and share your name, your phone number, your email, uh, write that down, and, and they'll, they'll uh, be right there next to you. Maybe, again, pray with you, pray for you. While we sing, you make your way down front. We'd love to help you move on. So, so no longer is that the case. I've actually finished I got my black belt in my obedience to Jesus Christ. I I finished that school, and I'm able now to protect myself from the evil one. Lord, humble us right now, and I pray even now for those who need to make their way forward so that they can move on to that next level. Would you give them the strength and the courage to step out and admit need to go Not content, it's not good. Things aren't well where I'm at right now. I'm going to go to that next step. So let's stand together. They're going to stay down here the entire song.